concentrating on my people, on my children. And God said his only. He wasn't having that four or five children. No. He only sent one son. Who can do that? He even had to lay on that cross to take all the pains that he went through. He could be disobedient. But he never did. It's, it wasn't about him, it was about us. When he said, Father, praise God. He was talking about two things on the cross when he said, Father. Number one, he was teaching us how to pray when he said, Father. Number two, When he was on the cross, and he said, Father, forgive them. Who in this world would do that to your son and say, Father, forgive them? You can say that to my grandmother. <laughs> Give you, but I would never forget. I would never forget it. That was 
Jesus' name. Jesus forgive us all the way. He never said, okay, you remember what I did for you on our cross? Now nah, you, you don't know me no more, right? No, that wasn't me. Now we will say something like that. You remember what I did for you down the road? So now you won't give me a dollar because you got two dollars. You won't give me a dollar. Remember what I did for you? No. Jesus forgave us all the way. All the way. Amen, amen. Praise the second Jesus. He forgave us all the way. Clean cut. Clean cut is clean. We have to walk like that now. We have to take on that cross. Father, forgive them. We'll teach you how to pray and teach you how to forgive. This week, we have to be very careful what we do and what we say. Thank you, church. Will you be on? 
when it comes to your sin, when it comes to Jesus, what's your attitude? Are you the one who says that you don't care? Who cares about Jesus? You know, are you the one who says, so who sarcastically says, because the, the, the criminal who's saying, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself. He's being sarcastic. Mm-hmm. How is your approach to Jesus? The king of all kings, the one who came and being a king became a servant just to feel what we feel. Or will your attitude be one of reverence? Will you be, you know, understand in whose presence you're standing in? Understand that you're standing next to the one who is giving his life for you. The one who has poured out his blood for you. The one who covers you with his grace. How will you accept what Jesus has for you towards you, your sins, your decisions, your attitudes? What side of the cross will you be standing on? And your lifestyle choices. Have you thought about the decisions that you make or the decisions that you're planning to make? Because sometimes we haven't made them yet, but we're thinking about doing it and then maybe God will forgive me afterwards. Right? Um, either way, their lifestyle choices took them to the same place. But it's what we do at the end. We may make the worst choices in our lives. We may be dragging ourselves on our stomachs. I remember, I think I hear, I've heard Sixo say, you know, even if I have to drag myself. I'm getting into heaven or something like that. <laughs> and I agree. It's not an easy walk. But what will you do at the end of that road? When you're next to Jesus and you're standing looking at him, you know, will you go to the left? Will you go to the right? You know, what will you do? Will you for, will you accept his forgiveness? Will you accept um, who he is, your, your king, your savior, the lover of your soul, the one who covers you with his grace, who wakes you up in the morning, who calls you his child. What will you do with that chance of yours? What will you say if confronted with Jesus? You know, God gives us opportunities and again, he sent Jesus to cover us with his blood because he knew that we would we would fail. Um, he knew that, you know, these men needed him. He knew that we all needed him. Hence he stood on the on the on the cross. But like we see Jesus here on the cross next to these two guys. Jesus is never late. God is always on time. Amen. You know, he they had to their last moments. God will seek you. He will relentlessly pursue you until the end. The choice is yours. And, and this guy's he made his choice. One made his choice to go to not such a good place. And the other one is going to paradise. Which, um, from what I read in a commentary, it means a place of beauty. A wonderful place. When you think of vacation, and um, that's what I think, islands. Place amen, amen. Right? I'm sure it's much better than that. We can't, we can't imagine what God has for us. Um, so again, he gave him the opportunity at the cross. Um, our Savior lives. Jesus is alive. He is our lover, the lover of our soul. Yes. And he continues to give people that opportunity now. He continues to cover us with his blood and give us that opportunity now. Um, so when the time comes, I hope we're all standing on the side with um, the good, the good criminal. I hate that's such a weird comment, right? The good, it's like ironic, right? Like an oxymoron, the good criminal. Um, it's like a good sinner, <laughs> right? The repented criminal. Amen. The repented Amen. Amen. Um, so, um, but we know that we can tell others about this place of paradise. Yes, Lord. And that the cross remains. The cross is empty, but our Jesus remains. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.
place anymore. Amen, uh, amen. First of all, I want to thank uh, Pastor Sinko for this opportunity. Um, I was blessed last year. I was the first to speak. And I'm like the third one. I'm like, oh my God, it's taking so long. <laughs> but I thank the Lord. Um, I was blessed with Brother Joseph, right? The word of salvation. Oh, right. forgiveness, excuse forgiveness. me. And then Sister Elizabeth, um, who spoke about the word of salvation and hope. And the, um, the fact that Jesus never changes, right? He changes, but he never. He stays the same at all times, praise the Lord. Amen. So now we get to the third word, and it's found in John 19, 25, 27. And it says like this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clo Clopas, I think it was, that's how you pronounce it, Clopas, and Mary Magdalene, when Jesus therefore saw his mother, and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. Praise the Lord. Now these are words spoken out of love, out of compassion, out of concern and affection. And tonight I want to speak about three points I, I have been thinking about so many things to say tonight. But there are three points that I want to bring out tonight concerning these loving words expressed by Jesus. And, you know, we see despite his pain and this, despite his current circumstances, despite his anguish, right, because Jesus was in such pain and, and turmoil, despite his suffering and despite the sadness of his soul and in his soul, Jesus cannot remain insensitive to the distress of those he loved. And we see that in his ministry. Jesus always was concerned about others. We see that when he um, feeds the 5,000 in Luke, uh, in Matthew 14, he heals the 10 lepers, right? Who were suffering, who was away from his, their family because of their um, situation. And that's found in Luke 17, 11, 19. And we even see Jesus heals the deaf and the blind, and that's found in Mark 17. And that just to name a few, because there's so many beautiful things that Jesus did when he was concerned about others. But this time, there was, is, there was no difference this time. Near the cross stood his mother Mary, and he was able to see her pain into her loneliness, her suffering into her sorrow. Um, Mary must have been, you know, in desperation and hopelessness and anguish and, and I would say, in, in just in, in pain, praise the Lord. Um, seeing that his, her son was not only hated and despised by people, but forsaken by his friends, but also being innocently hung on a cross, praise the Lord. I would say no doubt Simon's words, right? In Luke 24, 34, 35, and a sword would pierce through your own soul, but it must have rushed in her mind. Jesus therefore disconnects himself from focusing on his circumstances and looks at hers and makes arrangements for the care of his mother. And he tells her beautifully, woman, behold thy son. And as the word tells us in John 19, 27, from that time on, let me see what it says, from that time on, this disciple took her into her, to his home. Jesus made sure that his mother would lack nothing, right? Would lack anything. And isn't it amazing to see that while Jesus is hung and he's crucified on that cross, he's thinking not of himself and not of his pain and not of his suffering, but on someone else's. This is also true for us. He will provide for us. How many of you guys believe that? Amen. And he Amen. will provide for us. He loves us. He cares for us, praise the Lord. And Amen. he has compassion on his children. And we're his children. The word tells us much more valuable than the birds and flowers, right? That we are much more valuable than the birds and flowers. And yet, he takes care of them, right? How much more will he provide for us and take care of us? of our needs. Praise the Lord. Yes, Lord. But Jesus also shows us, as he provides for his mother, that it is our job. I don't know if you know that. It is our calling. It is our job to comfort those in pain. Isn't it true that when we suffer, and I can tell you this, you know, that happens to me, 
We become um, just consumed, we, come, we become absorbed with our pain, with our sufferings, with our circumstances, and then we forget about everybody and everyone else and everything that's going around. But his example on the cross reminds us that we are here to help and comfort our brothers and sisters, to comfort Leslie, to comfort Martina, to comfort Brother Lee, praise the Lord, in their time of suffering, in their time of need, praise the Lord. Second of um, Corinthians, and I love this, they, this verse was read during um, Sixto's aunt's funeral, and it just touched me, and I thought about the connection. It says, Second of Corinthians 1, 3, 4 tells us, Praise be to the God and Father of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles. It doesn't, right? It doesn't uh, end there. It says, so that we, so it says he comforts us so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Praise the Lord. So Jesus was a man of compassion until the end. Even while dying, Jesus was preoccupied with the needs of others. Praise the Lord. Yes, Lord. Now the second point I want to bring out tonight is that perhaps you may find yourself far from God, running from Jesus because of your fears, your problems, the hardship, the tribulations, the issues that you're going through. But don't stay away, praise the Lord. Come back to the cross. It doesn't matter what we have done. The cross is a place of forgiveness, is a place of deliverance, praise the Lord, and a place of restoration, praise God. Yes, Lord. With Mary and the other woman mentioned in John 19, 25, we find the beloved disciple, John. Who, like the other disciples, what did they do? They abandoned Jesus, praise the Lord, on his time of need. Matthew 26, 56 says that all the disciples deserted him and they fled. These disciples had all said that they were going to forsake him, that they were not going to leave him. But when they were confronted, when they were confronted with standing with Jesus, as we can see, the word tells us, none of them stood beside him. They all abandoned him, including John, praise the Lord. And it says his closest friend, praise the Lord. Man, that's your closest friend. He abandons you too, praise the Lord. He is, and you know, the word says that he's consistently referred to as the disciple who Jesus loved, praise mm -hmm. God. We never know how we will react upon the prospect of great trials. I can't tell you how I'm going to react when situations occur. But when we are confronted with tough choices, when we are confronted with circumstances, praise the Lord, when we are confronted with tribulations, but I would tell you, you know, rest assured that he, not like us, that he will leave, he will never leave us, nor forsake us. Now John returns to the cross, right? He had left, he, he, he left uh, like just like the other disciples did. And John returns to the cross and here Jesus forgives him. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus forgives him. He doesn't say, why did you? He doesn't question him, right? He's in pain. He forgives him. And he restores him to the point, and I love that, to the point that Jesus gives him an important assignment. He gives him the responsibility of watching, of caring for his mother. Praise the Lord. He places John in an honorable position. John 19, 27 says, and, the, and to the disciple, here is your mother. Praise God. And John was going to do what Jesus could no longer do physically. Praise the Lord. John was therefore able to serve his master to the end. Praise God. Are we going to be able to serve our master to the end? Praise the Lord. Because yes. the cross, like it says, is a place of forgiveness. Praise the Lord. A restoration. Praise God. Near the cross is where Jesus wants us to be. Jesus knows our struggles. He knows our sufferings. Praise the Lord. He knows what you're going through. But when we return to him as John did, praise the Lord, no longer do we have to hide from him, praise God. He's going to restore us. He's going to lift us up. Second of Corinthians 5, 7, 17 tells us, therefore, if anyone's, anyone, anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. You're new. You're new when you enter that cross, when you're before him, you become new, praise the Lord. And lastly, I want to say that these words expressed by Jesus, it, encourage, it should encourage us to do the same as he did. He made sure that his mother was cared for by someone who would watch her over her, not only physically, 
right? Her physical needs, but spiritual ones as well. And the Bible does say that he had other brothers and sisters, but Jesus chose John, praise the Lord. These words cause us as the body of Christ to love one another and care for each other as commanded in John 13, 34, 35. As the church, we need to make sure that we are the hands and feet of God, that we establish bonds, relationships with our brothers and sisters. When Jesus said to Mary, look on John as your son, and when he said to John, look on Mary as your mother, he was showing us that when we leave everything behind, everything behind, our friends, sometimes our family, sometimes you know our jobs, praise the Lord, he will provide for us. He will meet our needs. Therefore, for me, one of the gifts he gave us from the cross is the bond, the love, the encouragement, the church family, can provide for each and every one of us. Praise yes, the Lord. God bless Hallelujah. You. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. We praise your holy name, Lord. Amen. 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 It's amazing how many times you still thought, right? And Pastor Sixto asked us to do these verses, and to me, every year is different. Every year, someone brings something totally different. So the verse for me changes every year. And um, this one has spoke, spoken to me this past few weeks, I have to tell you. Now today I'm not that nervous because I'm under painkillers and I'm <laughs> feeling well. So this is a good thing, okay? A very good thing. So I'm like, oh yeah, feeling good right now. So I want to read something. I'm a visual person. I'm a person that I need to be put in the moment at the place and what happened. I need to see it in my mind. I need to feel it in the moment. So instead of just reading the verse, I want to read something that I wrote. Okay, guys? Noises intermingle on the hill. Pharisees mocking, swords clanging, and dying men groaning. And Jesus barely speaks. But when he does, he gives his killers grace and his mother a son. He answers the prayer of the thief. And then at midday, darkness falls like a curtain. Now this is not a supernatural, this is a supernatural darkness. Imagine, guys. If you have to close your eyes, just imagine. This is not a casual gathering of clouds, and all of a sudden, the sun is just covered by one passing cloud. It's pure darkness for three hours. And merchants in Jerusalem light candles, so soldiers ignite torches, and the universe grieves in that very moment. And Christ lifts his heavy head and eyelids toward the heavens and spends his final energy crying out toward the hidden stars. Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabatani. That is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is Matthew chapter 27, verse 46. Now, what did Christ feel in that moment of the cross when he said that? Well, like everyone else mentioned, he felt agony, right? He felt abandonment from his father. He felt physical pain and emotional pain and spiritual as well. And at that very moment, he was also carrying the sins of the world. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, <coughs> if you could turn to that. I'm sorry, I'm not making you guys use your Bible. First Peter. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds we are healed. On that moment, we see the human side of Jesus, right? Not just the Son of God, but that physically he came to earth and had a physical body. And let me tell you right now, this made me realize, wow, when I pray to God, he knows what I'm feeling. Because physically, he sent his son. 
Now, two points I'm going to bring up. Okay, I want to just explain. First, that this was not the sob of just a complaining servant, not at all, but the sob of a broken-hearted child screaming for his father. My father, where are you when I need you? If you could turn to, um, chap um, to Psalms chapter 22, verse 1. It says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? David wrote about the death of Jesus, and in this verse, he's describing the Messiah's suffering. And like we said, Jesus was literally, right, under pain. He was beaten, right? He was mocked and ridiculed. Now, when we go through something in life, right, when we have a certain situation in our life where we go through pain, right, emotionally, I often hear people, and I feel it myself, they say, oh, you know, I just felt like this weight on my shoulder, right? And when you speak about it, right, you feel some type of relief. You feel that it's off your shoulders for a minute, right? Now, just imagine in that moment after everything he's gone through, the reason everything turned black is because at that very same moment, Jesus began to carry your sins. He carried everyone's sins. So can you imagine, it's not one burden that you're feeling in that moment. It's him feeling all those sins. Now, I say to myself, I just can't even, I mean, of course, our mind can't fathom the idea, right? We can't understand it. But just for us to fix, to understand at least a little bit, at least a, just a little glimpse of what he must have found that moment when he said those words. Now the second point came to me, and I have to say, when it came to me, I was like, is this what I'm gonna compare it to? But for me, it spoke to me, it really did. I felt like this was for me. How many times have we asked God, God, why am I going through this, right? Why are we going through this specific situation in our lives? Why don't you answer my prayers in the moment that I want you to? Why do I feel alone? Right? There's no reason we ask that, right? So this reminds me of, um, I was reading Exodus chapter 16. Later on, if you guys could read it, the way I looked at it, for me, was like a connection. It just, for me, was spoke to me, and then it reminded me of this. And in, um, in Exodus chapter 16, the Israelites, God wanted to test them, right? So he told Moses that he was going to give them, because they were complaining, right? They were in the desert, they were complaining, oh, you know, we don't have food. So God said, you know what, I'm going to give you specific instructions. I want you guys to just gather manna for that day. But, but you cannot get anything extra. It just has to be enough for that day, right? For your family city for that day. When they realized some of them did it, right? They followed, and some of them did not. They would gather a little extra. And what happened the very next morning, when they would wake up, the mana was rotten and full of maggots. And this would continue because God wanted them to rely on him. And for me, in that same moment, when he's saying this, it for me was a connection. How many times do we rely solely on God? And as Jesus, this is happening, God has provided us with our everlasting manna. This is something that he's given us that we will have for the rest of our lives. Everlasting. We can gather it tomorrow, the day after. Read the Bible is there. He gave us Jesus. Amen, amen. Amen. And that for me says so much. Because I say, my God, you've given it to me all. And sometimes I act like those Israelites. 
I don't think about what he's given me, how he's given me Jesus. So I'm gonna close this one thing. I want you guys to close your eyes. Don't worry, I won't scare you, okay? <laughs> and then when I say amen, you know, then you know that I'm done. But I wanna tell you that every year, I always feel like I'm not worthy, but these um, verses really opens my heart. So I wanna say, with hands nailed open, he invited God. Treat me as you would treat them. And God did. In an act that broke the heart of the Father, yet honored the holiness of heaven, sin purging, judgment flowed over the sinless son of the ages. And heaven gave earth its finest gift, the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why does Christ scream these words? So you will never have to. Amen. 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 My verse is I thirst. 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 Yeah. I thirst. Thirst. Yeah. I'm going to read um, the, 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 the verse. Knowing that everything, sorry, in John 19, 28. Knowing that everything had now finished and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. We all have a sense of, at some time or another, that some of us mistake of feeling thirsty for something else. See, my boys are really well known for this. <laughs> my little one always comes to me, Mom, I am starving, or he spread a word, I'm hungry. Yet without knowing that he is actually thirsty, he knows his body needs something, but doesn't know how to identify is thirst. Our bodies are made up of most, mostly 70% of water. By the time we have the feeling of being thirsty, science is saying we are already a, quite a quirk down, a quirk down. It amazes me that we need a physical reminder to help us recognize our own needs. <clears throat> Jesus speaks about being thirsty in John 4, 7 to 15. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus says to her, Will you give me a drink? The Samaritan replied, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get a living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his son and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks his, this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. The water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me the water, this water, so that I won't get thirsty and have to become to keep coming here to draw water. Through the scripture, Jesus indicates that woman, her own need, her own thirst, was something more than water. She was in need of a savior that Jesus used a physical sign to help the woman recognize her need. Her interest that when Jesus asks the Samaritan woman to give him a drink, he uses the same word for thirst in the Greek as spoken from the cross, I thirst. We can hear these words from the cross as Jesus ultimately shows us his human side. We can understand these words as simply as part of humanity, humanity of Jesus. He is suffering excruciating pain and a death, experiencing all the pain that goes with it. And he is simply thirsty. Through his trial, he is silent. Through his beating, he is silent. 
Silent through the last day, few last days. Tortured and eventually had enough of the silence and show us that he is as human as the rest of us. I think that Jesus, through physical suffering, was not taking only about talk, talking about only the physical thirst. Look at the verse from the Gospel of John after this. When Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, in order to complete or fulfill the scripture, I thirst. In these words, I want you to focus on Jesus seeing that all things were now fulfilled, and in order to make scripture perfect, he said, I thirst. Do you see? Everything was complete in order, in, complete in other words, his mission on earth was being filled. The work he had done on earth is now finished. And if we take a look back to Psalm 22 and Psalm 59, we can even make a connection to the scripture that Jesus is referring in the phrase. Jesus was a teacher, the one to point the way, the one to help us accept our own needs and the needs of others. He had a purpose for choosing those specific words. I believe that Jesus was giving one final reminder, one final plea from the cross for us to accept what this mission was all about. I think Jesus was giving us one last word, one last savior, one last way to recognize that we all are truly thirsty. Us as humans, we are a way of we have a way of thinking. We don't really need anything. We don't need actually anyone. Or at least need that anyone else can should or should could or should help us. We are raised to be confident in our own skin, abilities, and self-assured, and think we can and should do it on our own. We're socialized to think that if we do have needs or need to help from someone else, that we are weak, or too lazy, or too incompetent. We have become, in a sense, our own God. In Jesus, those two words, just as with the woman at the, at the well, direct us to think about our need for a savior, for our own thirst, for living water. Not only do we need help to recognize our own thirst, we need help to see those around us who are thirsty, who are around us. If you were at the foot of the cross, that afternoon, and hearing our Lord and Savior, he was thirsty. Would you rush to Jesus to give him a drink? I know I would. <laughs> it would be the it would be the greatest honor. What a privilege it would be to help my Lord when he was in need by giving him a drink to soothe his to soothe his throat and let and loosen some of the. Sorry, some of the agonizing pain he must have been. Christ tells us that we have the opportunity to serve him with that drink of water every day. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus tells us of the last judgment when the king will say to the righteous, Come, you are blessed by the Father, inherit the kingdom, prepare for you from the foundation of the world. For I hunger, and you give me food. For I thirst, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you became you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. We have the opportunity every day to take care of him in a way in which we care for each other. But still walk by people every day, and every day who are thirsty. We walk by people every day who hunger and sick and naked and prison and hopeless and helpless. We have we have missed seeing Christ in them. Have we forgotten that we that when we do unto the least we do to him? Yes. The beauty of last moments and out and out of the depth of his own physical suffering when all he all he all his work on earth was done, he comes one simple plea from the cross, I thirst. And it comes to us today as there are people out there who need your help. From the mouth of the man who spent his life and his 
ministry as a servant. Come, one final plea. For us to love and serve others, don't forget that people who need their money, don't forget there are people out there who need their time, their skills, their friendship, their ear, their presence, their love. Those of you who hunger and thirst for righteousness themselves, reach out. I thirst. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless everyone. Amen. Amen. I'm not nervous. And I'm, I am so happy to be here. I'm happy to be the Christian that Jesus wants me to be. I'm happy that my family is we're walking like this path. You know, and I was asked to speak up here a word and searching and going through the Bible. It's an amazing, amazing, never-ending Bible. Because you read these verses and you continue reading them, and it's an ongoing book. Because you can continue reading them, and it's never the same. But anyway, God bless. My word tonight is it is finished. As it as it was written in John 19, verse 30. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The word finished means more than just I survived. It means I did exactly what I was set out to do. When Jesus cried out, it is finished, he meant it is finished in the past, it is finished in the present, and it still remains finished in the future. When Jesus had said, if Jesus would have said, I am finished, for that would imply what he died defeated and exhausted. Rather, he cried, it is finished, meaning I successfully completed the work I came to do. And we all know that he came to, you know, he came to die for our sins. Believe me, we sin. As you know, Jesus was sent on earth to pay the debt of sin. Jesus' last words mean that his suffering was over. Jesus declared that the very purpose of his, of his mission on this earth was to preach the gospel, perform miracles, and set us free. Now, Jesus has... I just want to talk, you know, give some examples of some of the miracles. I mean, you've heard some tonight here. Matter of fact, you took some of mine. <laughs> but um, he's done a lot more. And uh, it was amazing looking through the Bible and searching for these miracles. But what, what, what got me was the woman, the woman that went on her hands and knees to reach to Jesus and touch his garment, the hem of his garment. I mean, he could see her, but he felt her. This is our God. Hallelujah. This is our God. Also, <clears throat> the leopards that he cleansed and set free of their disease. What amazes me is that he continued to tell some of that who he helped and uh, that he helped um, was to tell no one. If Jesus came here to me and helped me and freed me from my sins, I'm going to run out the store and I'm going to tell everybody. Amen. You know, I'm going to preach the good news and tell how Jesus came into my life and what he has done for me. And um, the work was done, accomplished, fulfilled. The debt of sin was paid. It is finished. And Jesus, Lord, praise his name. I'm, I, am, I am free. 
Isn't he amazing? This man died for me, for you. I'm sorry. I, I like everything. So, so um, I gave you some of the miracles. He turned water into wine. Dang, that's my Jesus. Um, the leper, the woman touched his uh, hand, gave sight to the blind man. Uh, how they how they lowered in Simon's home. They lowered the crippled man through the roof down to Jesus, and he forgave him. Isn't, isn't that amazing? This is our God doing this. So who, Jesus can steal us. You just have to have an amazing, amazing faith. You have to have faith. Christian and have faith. And, and everything will be answered to you. And his time. And finally, he was sent to give us everlasting eternal life, which is our salvation, a new beginning, a new life. The work was done, accomplished, fulfilled. The debt of sin was paid. It is finished, and Jesus is Lord. Praise his name, I am free. Did you get anything out of this? Jennifer came. Um, um, I, 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 no, I was, I was 
saying of Jesus that we believe and have faith and trust. That's the key word. Trust. Not I can say I have faith, but do I trust enough? One pastor that I was here, and I'm fascinated that the one who invited, and when he was talking about how people were climbing up on this ladder, and I use this when I'm out there and I'm talking to a lot of people. He's climbing this ladder to get to this top. But when he get to nearly to the top, one of the ones of the ladder broke, so he holds on even tighter. And he's holding on, and he's refusing to move for fear. Now, we're not to fear when we trust God. We're to fear God, but we're not to fear. But fear is still head and bound. And by him being bound, he wouldn't let go. But then, on top, when he was supposed to throw his hands, give me your hand. Give me your hand. Give me your hand. The other one broke, and the ladder was going down. Now, just imagine you climbing in your life, getting to a point where you think you're satisfied, but God is calling you higher, and calling you higher, and calling you higher, but you refuse to let go of where you're standing right now. But then, just before he hits the ground, he dies. He goes to heaven, and he says to God, Jesus, you said you would never leave me nor forsake me. Where were you? He said, I told you to give me your hand three times. And you didn't give me your hand. That's the faith and the trust that I'm talking about. Jesus conveyed on the cross. Do you remember as a child when your parents taught you how to pray? Now you lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord to soak my soul to take. What did Jesus just say? Jesus showed us how to have a relationship with his father. When we pray like that, and we say to God, Lord, into your hands I commend my spirit. Jesus is falling asleep in the arms of his father. Amen. Thanks, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 Praise God. Good word. Good word. <laughs> the Lord has certainly spoken into our lives uh, this wonderful uh, Wednesday evening as we went through with the uh, uh, different folks who went through the last seven sayings on the cross. Amen. Uh, as Jennifer mentioned, it's funny because you, we hear these same expressions year after year you hear something different that comes out of the ministry. It's a fresh word. It's a never-ending resource, praise God. It's a fountain that keeps flowing and keeps blessing us year after year, and God keeps speaking into our lives. Wouldn't it be fantastic if this would be the last year that we celebrated uh, these seven words here on earth? Mm -hmm. And by this time next year, we could be in heaven because Jesus, yeah. Jesus is coming back. Amen? Yes, Lord. Lord the Lord came tonight. Hallelujah. Praise God. How Hallelujah. Praise God. Tonight we heard a word from Job, praise God, from Joseph, who spoke about that Jesus taught us not only to pray, but to forgive. Since the lips, praise God, last minute took over from Brother Jesse, who we have heard had, had, had an allergic reaction. But Jesus, uh, praise God. Liz actually took the part 10 minutes before she got up there. So God bless Liz for that wonderful word. Amen, amen. Pretty awesome. As we spoke about two different lives, two different lifestyles, two different characters, but one God. Amen. Yes, Lord. Amen. Praise God. Sister Nancy, praise the Lord, spoke about how he still endured the pain, but he still was sensitive to the pains and to the needs of others. Amen. To the point that he comforted. Sister Jen spoke about a permanent manner, which is Jesus, where he fulfills permanently what is lacking within us. My God, my God, she said, he said, so that we would never have to say these words. Mary spoke, praise God. Within well, Thursday, man, it's not. See, she was quiet in this <laughs> But she mentioned the fact that we are all actually thirsty. Isn't that heavy? We are all, are you aware that you are thirsty? But not only that, she also flipped it. Because she said, we pass by on a daily basis by people who are also 
thirsty. We're looking to be quenched. Are we quenching other people's thirst? Amen? Amen. Brother Bill, praise the Lord, so eloquently put, praise God. Awesome. It is finished. And I love the fact that he says, and well, I'm going to write it down because when I'm preaching this word one day, I'm going to use that. He said, it is finished, not I am finished. Isn't that happy? If he would have said I am finished, it would have been a defeated, unsuccessful story, as Bill mentioned. Instead, he said it is finished, declaring the word of success. I have done exactly what you told me to do, and it is done. Hallelujah. Beautiful word. But the lead God bless. Besides the fact that he memorized everybody's name. He knows, he knows everybody's name. <laughs> huh? I don't even know everybody's name. Who's this? <laughs> Praise God. That's the, thank you, see. Thank you. Praise God. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. You know, everyone here I know knows everybody's name. But it's important to know people's name. It is very important. It, it, it shows the fact that you see identity in that individual. But you know what? Everyone that comes in through that door that's new, folks, go out of your way to learn that person's name. When we're up front, and I'm sorry to sidetrack, one thing uh, on the seminary or college teaches you, you, you know, one of the worst things you can say is, oh, we greet Brother Sixto and his wife. Mm. You know, I looked at another one, I see the pastor, he always go out his way. What's his wife's name? I was saying, oh, we greet Brother Sisto and his wife, Nancy. Mm -hmm. She has her own person and her own identity. But Brother Lee, praise God, goes and he says, Jesus went through the hell. Jesus literally went through hell so that we won't have to go through that hell. Isn't that something? Mm -hmm. And how beautiful the confidence, the word, the trust, and how we end it. Where is as I lay myself to sleep, I lay myself down to sleep, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray. I pray to put my soul to keep, and if I die before I wake, amen. But that Jesus falls asleep on earth, but wakes up in the Father's arms. Amen, amen. Isn't that something? And that's what's expected, and that's what we expect. That when we close our eyes on earth, we wake up into the presence of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, during my aunt's funeral this past week, we, I, I mentioned that, you know, we, 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 we see death as such a tragedy, and it is. It's a crisis. It's a separation of the body, physical. We miss that individual. But how does the afterlife, how does God see death? The thing is, when the person is leaving us, but God is receiving them on the other side. Amen. And that's the hope that we have, right? That's the purpose of this day, and that's the purpose of his words. Amen. 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 So that we have hope in Jesus that, that when we close our eyes one day, when we leave this earth, we have the blessed assurance that we're going to wake up in the presence of all God, God Almighty. We're going to enjoy paradise. What a, what a heavy, right? From the midst of tragedy, he speaks of paradise. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. That's a beautiful thing. On earth, as far as we can compare. But nothing compares to the paradise, to the place that Jesus went to plan and prepared for Amen, us. amen. How many of us are going there? Amen. How many of us are headed there? Amen. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. I saw you speaking today. Praise the Lord. I certainly have to say, I got something out of this. Amen. I got something out of this. Praise God. Let's get our offering. Praise the Lord.